Happy Normals! Welcome to Deeply Disturbing Things, the podcast. I'm Macy. I'm Naomi. And I'm Sarah. And we're three counselors, two of which are sick right now. That would be me and that one down there. And we're here to, I, I, threw, I can't mix it up. <laughs> I'm not sick. And we're, we're three anxious counselors who like to talk about deeply disturbing things. And Naomi is healthy. I am the healthy one. <laughs> You're the chosen one. I think this is my second. This probably isn't true. If we listen to all the recordings over the years now, I'm curious how many times I've been sick on the podcast. It'd be a- I know I've been sick before. Yeah. Okay. Who's first? You're first. Okay. This is hurrah. I am excited. Not because this isn't like an exciting topic, but I'm excited because I love learning about new things and I hadn't heard of this, and I think everybody should know about this. Can I and do a really this- quick disclosure? So yeah. sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to, after our podcast, I guess, was it the one before the last one? I missed the last one, right? Yes. The last one that I was on? <laughs> I, I can't remember now. It was the last one where we actually, um, we did the disturbometer. And- it was the one before, I think. It was the one before. And so my little disclosure, I thought about it after the fact. I just wanted to, when I had said that I was not as disturbed on those two topics, but the interesting level was very high for me. So I'm good with it not being super disturbing all the time. Like if it was just like nines and tens all the time, that would be really stressful. So I like a good range just to. Yeah, I mean. A more accurate description of our podcast would be, you know, mild to moderate to deeply disturbing, depending on the day. <laughs> See, that's it's... really long. So we just call it deeply disturbing. We should, the spectrum of disturbing things. <laughs> I like that. Okay. So go for it. Okay. So Mine's I learned about this in a DEI training that I attended last week. And I immediately was like, oh, podcast topic. I'm writing that down because I really wanted to look into it more. I am going to speak to you about cells for a second. For decades, scientists in the early part of the last century had been collecting tissue samples from patients. And they were searching for cells that could live outside the human body because then they can do research on them but the cells would always die. So they would extract cells, you know, put them in a Petri dish or whatever, and they would die. But now we have special kind of cells called HeLa cells and they don't die. They're considered immortal. They live outside the human body, they replicate, um, and they have been critical to numerous advances in medicine, including the AIDS cocktail, chemotherapy, and recently the COVID-19 vaccines. Oh, that's right. Where do HeLa cells come from, you might ask? Aliens, maybe. <laughs> In 1951, a young black mother of five named Henrietta Lacks walked into the John Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland, complaining of severe vaginal bleeding. So despite the oral histories and, you know, stories about doctors who snatched Black people off the streets for research purposes, Henrietta still trusted the doctors and believed that they would do anything they could to help her because she wanted to survive for her husband and her five kids. It was one of the few hospitals that treated African-American individuals at the time. So when she was examined, the gynecologist discovered a large malignant tumor on her cervix. So she was diagnosed with cervical cancer and began the treatment for that. So there were cells that were removed from Henrietta and sent over to their research center. And the researcher, George Otto G-E-Y, I'm not sure how you pronounce that, gay maybe. He was amazed to discover that these cells were unlike anything. 
Henrietta Lacks's cells doubled every 20 to 24 hours and were living outside the human body. So not only could they reproduce, but they were living. They were considered immortal. And these cells gave birth to the biomedical industry that we have today. Hmm. So the word HeLa comes from the first two letters of Henrietta and the first two letters of Lacks, so H-E-L-A. So oh. HeLa cells are named after Henrietta Lacks, where they came from. Hmm. So wait, it's just like she or originated them? like a superhero or we all have them and it was discovered through her no what That's... Henrietta Lacks had a superpower yes and those were her rate just the cells just not what? was it part of the cancer or was it was it part of the tumor? just her human cells yeah just herself she was a superhero that is why is that not why didn't I have never heard of this? I know. That's why I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to dive in. Because the training I went to, they just mentioned it was like one sentence long. And I was like, wait, I'm like writing it down. So un un sadly, Henrietta did die from cancer not too long after she started treatment. When she had passed and her body was in the John Hopkins autopsy facility, these researchers took further samples. So one of the earliest developments was these cells, these HeLa cells developed the polio vaccine in 1954. Did she give yeah. consent to be experimented on after her death? Yeah, that's a good question. That is what I was about to say next. Good question. Henrietta Lacks had no idea that her cells were taken from her. Her family had no idea. What? So they were taken without her consent. Mm -hmm. And multi-million dollar industries have profited, obviously. I mean, mm -hmm. think about how much money is in the biomedical research industry, developing right. vaccines and things. Yeah. So that is the brief story behind what HeLa cells come from. So I wanted to spend some time and, and share about the person that these cells were came from, because I feel like that's pretty dehumanizing to just take someone's cells without their consent mm -hmm. and replicate them. So part of her, like that's considered her, it's considered her human body, are living all over in all these labs all over the place today because oh. they continue to reproduce and be used for research today wow so let's get to know henriette as a person she was born in 1920 in roanoke virginia she was remembered as always wearing red nail polish having a neatly pleated skirt when she was four her mother died giving birth to her 10th child and wasn't able to care for the kids alone. Um, so the father moved the family up to Clover, Virginia, and the kids were kind of distributed out among the relatives to be raised up. So Henrietta ended up with her maternal grandfather in a two-story log cabin that was once the slave quarters on the plantation that had been owned by Henrietta's white great-grandfather and great-uncle. And she shared a room in this cabin with her first cousin and her future husband, David Lacks. So like most other family members there in Clover, Henrietta worked as a tobacco farmer from a very young age, feeding the animals, tending the garden, working in the fields, and went to the designated black school two miles away from the cabin. But when she was in sixth grade, she had to drop out of school to help support the family. When she was 14, she gave birth to her first kiddo, Lawrence. And then in 1939, her daughter, Elsie Lacks, was born. And Elsie may have had epilepsy and cerebral palsy, was described as the family as different, so had some disabilities. So in 41, 
Henrietta got married to David Lacks and, you know, they, their cousin convinced them to leave the tobacco farm and moved up to Baltimore County in Maryland so that they could work in the, so the husband, David could work in the steel plant there, you know, an opportunity to make more money. Mm-hmm. So when they lived there, Henrietta and, and David had three more kids and Henrietta gave birth to her last child at the John Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore in 1950. And this was four and a half months before she was diagnosed with cervical cancer. Around that same time, Elsie was placed in a hospital that had a very terrible name, but was later renamed the Crownsville Hospital Center. And she died there when she was 15 years old. And they think that she may have been subjected to a procedure that they did then where they drill a hole into the patient's head to drain fluid from the brain. And then they pump in like oxygen or helium so that it's easier to see the the patient's brain in x-rays. So that may have had been detrimental and contributed to her early death. Early medicine is so scary. I think now medicine is still scary. That's a fair. That's why I didn't go get x-rays. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we we may be laughing about x-rays in 200 years, like, what were we thinking? Yeah. Gosh, didn't they know that is what killed the bees? <laughs> exactly. We didn't know. Yeah. Didn't know. We're so dumb. <laughs> so after Henrietta had her last child, she got that severe bleeding, severe hemorrhaging. So she went back to John Hopkins. And that was when they took a biopsy um, of the mass and found out that it was malignant and she did have cervical cancer. So she was treated. Um, and it was during one of these treatments that the samples were taken from her without her permission or knowledge and given to the lab for research. So she died in 1951. She was only 31 years old. And she was buried in an unmarked grave in the family cemetery in Virginia. It said that her exact burial location is unknown, but the family believes it's really close to where her mother's gravesite is. And so the mother's gravesite was the only one in the family that had actually a tombstone to market for a long time. And then in 2010, um, a faculty member of the Morehouse School for Medicine donated a headstone. And then her family, that inspired them to raise money for a headstone for Elsie Lacks as well. So I thought that was sweet. Mm -hmm. And they were both dedicated on the same day. And so the headstone of Henrietta Lacks has an epitaph written by her grandchildren that reads, in loving memory of a phenomenal woman, wife and mother who touched the loves of many, here lies Henrietta Lacks, Gila. Her immortal cells will continue to help mankind forever. Mm-hmm. So these Gila cells were in really high demand after their discovery. And so they started mass producing her cells. And they were mailed out to scientists all around the world for research. HeLa cells were the first human cells that were successfully cloned and have been used to do all sorts of research to test human sensitivity to products, like tape, glue, cosmetics. There are almost 11,000 patents involving HeLa cells. That is a lot of money and a lot of duplication of a human beings. Did her family ever try to get compensation once they figured this out? Or did you hear anything about that? To my knowledge, they have not been compensated financially. Hmm. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll describe some of their efforts, though. 
So in the early 1970s, so this is like, you know, 20 years, this has been going on. Some of these cell cultures from other cells in the research lab got contaminated by HeLa cells. And so they needed to sort it out. And the researchers contacted some of Henrietta Lacks family because they were asking for blood samples because they were trying to differentiate the HeLa cell lines from the other cell lines. So the family member is obviously very confused. Why are people contacting us wanting our, our blood samples? They were getting all these phone calls. And then in 1975, they just learned by chance that the material originating from Henrietta was continuing to be learned, used for medical research. They had never really discussed Henrietta's illness and death among themselves. But now they're like starting to ask questions. What is going on? Mm-hmm. So it it's really important to reiterate that neither Henrietta Lacks or her family gave doctors permission to harvest her cells. They definitely didn't give permission to clone <laughs> them and do all this research and send them all around the world. Mm-hmm. At that time... they didn't need permission to do that so we always have to keep in mind like times the times like judging the past based on today's understanding of things Mm -hmm. in the 1980s family medical records were actually published without the family consent and a similar court case that occurred in california in 1990 was ruled against the them and said that a person's discarded tissues and cells were actually not their property and could be commercialized. Interesting. That's really interesting for how far they could take that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you've ever had something removed, I would say ask for it. Cause who knows what's going to happen? Like a gallbladder or something. I would, I would take mine home with me. <laughs> Tonsils. Tonsils. Yeah. Those are mine. My tonsils. Hey, where are yours? They're mine now. <laughs> I mean, I'm super mad I didn't take my placenta. I wish I would have. If I could turn back time. <laughs> I don't know that I would eat it or anything, but bury it, maybe. That may have been sold and you know used to make shampoo or something. Right. I mean, you may you may be it'll it will be a male cell one day and you'll be like wow i really should have followed up on that yeah exactly so that's my that's what i I would say is keep keep your parts so in march of 2013 researchers published the dna sequence of the genome of a strain of hela cells and the Lax family discovered this when a lady who was writing a book about Henrietta informed them. So the Lax family was not cool with their genetic information being published publicly. A grandchild of Henrietta said to the New York Times, the biggest concern was privacy. What information was actually going to be out there about our grandmother? And what information can they obtain from her sequencing that will tell them about her children and grandchildren and going down the line. So very valid concerns. Mm-hmm. Well, and also just wondering about, you know, if they were to ask permission to take samples from the children or from the grandchildren, it's like maybe they could find other things from this, you know, family line. Well, yeah. and it's almost like they're too saying like, I mean, and they could ask for compensation like and and good for that like you should yeah so they they have tried um to get compensation i wasn't able to find any evidence they that they were successful in getting financial compensation um they have been given other things it kind of feels like (laughs) let's throw them a bone in a way so covid uh, vaccine yeah. In 2013, the National Institute of Health gave the family some control 
over access to the cell's DNA sequences and promised that they would be acknowledged in scientific papers. Two family members were, were asked to join a committee that would regulate access to the sequence data. So again, it's, it's something, it's some sense of control. It's not financial compensation. Yeah, no, and that's like researchers like giving the nod, not the company selling it. Like they don't care. They're just making money. Big money. These companies are big money. I know, and they're the ones not doing anything. So I learned there's something called the common rule, and it was created in 1981 to give like an umbrella ethics about biomedical and behavioral research involving human subjects. It's supposed to be the baseline standard of ethics by any government funded research in the US. And so right now the National Institute of Health has proposed revisions to the common rule that would require consent to be obtained from anyone from whom biological specimens are taken before the samples are used in research, even if the specimens are de-identified from the person. So right now, the, the big excuse is, well, that they're not traceable to a person. Like, yes, we use stuff in people, but it's not identifiable. Mm-hmm. So they, they want to propose to change that, that the consent would still be needed. Because it's crazy. We... Our stuff may have been researched on. We don't know. I mean, right. how, they still take stuff from people. How often have you given a sample of something? All the time. All the time. A pap smear. That's a sample. A pee sample. A pee sample. A blood. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. a tooth. Yeah. there, you know, looking teeth, scraping. Well, and this makes me think we talked. A, I don't remember <clears throat> what to, but we talked a while ago about. Um, like AI and like voice recognition and like what are the ethics around like what if someone like copied your voice and did things with it um like there's nothing inherently illegal about that yeah yeah like do you own that well apparently you don't even own your body physical yeah it's it's interesting So there has been fairly recent, unfortunately, acknowledgement of wrongdoing. It should have happened a long time ago. I looked up the John Hopkins Hospital, and they have a couple of pages on there about Henrietta. So they say, John Hopkins applauds and regularly participates in efforts to raise awareness of the life and story of Henrietta Lacks. Having reviewed our interactions with Henrietta Lacks and with the family over the more than 50 years, we found that John Hopkins could have, should have done more to inform and work with members of Henrietta Lacks family out of respect for them, their privacy, and their personal interests. Though the collection and use of Henrietta Lacks' cells in research was an acceptable and legal practice in the 50s, such a practice would not happen today without the patient's consent. Um, they've named a building after Henrietta, which is nice. But do they own the building? (laughs) That's so annoying. No. That's so obnoxious. Like, great. Dude, because that just makes them look good. Like, look at how nice we are. Look Mm -hmm. at us dismissing our guilt away. Like, where's you at? Where are you actually, like, giving them what they deserve out of that? Or even communicating with them that they deserve any of it? Yeah. Like, get out of here named your building here's your participation prize yeah yeah oh the building that you make other money off of other people from inside great thanks for that yeah and i don't know if they really needed to put that sentence about that it was acceptable back then then it kind of to me kind of detracts from the apology or the acknowledgement it's minimizing it's like putting a big butt in it it's like no but it was fine back that. then. We didn't do anything wrong, is what they're actually they're saying. I didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, it was wrong then, and it's wrong now. You can just say that. Yeah. 
So like moving forward, here's a percentage of profits to the family. That would be. Yeah. As they continue to save lives around the world. Yeah. Moving forward, you guys are going to get some money. I didn't realize John Hopkins had such a dark history. I mean, they're well known and I feel like respected. But now that I know all this, it's like I I look at them a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. So it's estimated that HeLa cells have saved over 10 million lives. The HeLa cells are the only cells which have continued to live outside the human body and replicate. It's just one person. That's incredible. Yeah. That's what I'm wondering. Have they even like asked permission and to test the kids or the grandkids? Like, I mean, I guess you don't really need anybody else's cells if these can just keep. But it it would be interesting to see if it's something genetic that is passed Mm -hmm. on or not. Yeah. I couldn't find anything about that. Out of spite, I'd be like, no, all you have to do, just give us the rights to it. I want to help promote this. And then they would do it. And I'd say, great. Now you can't have any of it. I'm spiteful and bitter and you deserve this. And now none of you are getting this. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's these types of things in, in the history of the relationship between Black people and the medical industry, behavioral health industry, science industry that has built this deep-seated mistrust that continues to contribute to health disparities today. So this is justified mistrust based on real events that <laughs> have happened. And and, there's so many of those. Yeah, and I want to say in our field, Black individuals are overdiagnosed, misdiagnosed, overrepresented in, in diagnoses like paranoia, you know, and, and I feel like we really have to look at the, are the things that they're being paranoid real, you know, like yeah. we have to step back and, and look and see, yeah, there's a real actual justified history of, of stuff. I mean, justified reason for being paranoid because cultural look at what's been done research without consent. The Tuskegee syphilis experiments. I mean, it goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was really happy to be able to look into this and, you know, shine a light on it. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't show the picture of her. I was going to end with a picture of her. You um, if you want to know more, there's a movie called The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. It's on HBO, and it's based on the book of the same name. Okay. I watched it. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, it was made. I don't, I didn't think it was a great movie. Uh, it stars Oprah. It's her Harpo production company, but I just couldn't unsee Oprah in this. I'm like, oh, look at... Take the stage. Look at Oprah pretending she needs to walk with a cane. Look at Oprah doing this or that. <laughs> so that I couldn't unsee the Oprah. I'm I'm very glad we have an Oprah that has the funds to like shine lights on these stories and you know create films and all of it. She starred, so she uh, produced and starred and directed all of it. Well, I don't know if she directed, but she definitely stars, and her production oh. company definitely created the film. Oh wait, so she's. <laughs> in it in She's it in it she plays the daughter of oh. of henrietta lax okay mm. there's su- certain actors that have just you know like either celebrities or actors that you just i just don't even see them as that character it's just like you said that's just oprah it's just, yeah it was just oprah the whole thing yeah so it was hard for me to get into it <laughs> I love me some opera, don't get me wrong, but yeah. yeah, it wasn't a great film for me. So that's the story of the immortal cells of Henrietta Lacks. Awesome. Learn something new every day. I know. I love that's what, what I love about this podcast. Yeah. Gives me like a like it forces me to look into stuff that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Right. I yeah, no, it's great because I, it's not just us teaching other people. It we learn things. I learn things. I love learning. 
Me too. All right. My turn. Here we go. I'm ready for I'm, it. I'm, I'm here ready for it. I'm going to talk about the subway guy. Oh, I've never yeah. heard of the subway Jared, guy. Is, Jared? is it Jared? Jared. Oh, that subway guy. I'm thinking like transportation. Not. I mean, maybe food to mouth, but that's it. <laughs> or, well, okay. Well. Yes, let's talk about this. Okay, this needs to be talked about. This does need to be talked about because I, I, this is one of those things that like it was. I remember him in the commercials for Subway growing up, holding up the big pair of pants, right? Um, I remember that, and I remember like something happened where he got in trouble. That's me too. That's it. I and don't remember. I forgot what he did. And then, oh my goodness, <laughs> the uncovering. So, Jared Scott Fogel. That's his full name, just, to, just so we know that. Okay, so he started, it was from 2000 to 2015 that he was in Subway's campaign commercials. So, he went to Indiana University. He lost 245 pounds between 1998 and 1999, having frequently going to, uh, going to Subway as part of his diet plan. So they ended up kind of picking him up um, as a advertising ploy, uh, and he became very popular. Which sandwich did he eat? <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> Good question, but I'm going to tell you which sandwich not to eat here in a minute. Okay. Um, so <laughs> the meatball sub in a minute. I mean, <laughs> that's a no. I, I think I know which one you're going to say. Okay. <laughs> so what was I saying? Okay. He starred in like 300 commercials during 15 years with Subway, um, along with tons of other media appearances. Appearances, He kind of became a big deal. Um, okay. So that being said, I'm just going to give a little foreshadowing. He was incarcerated December of 2015 at the Federal Correctional Institute in Inglewood. Okay, so let's talk. I was about born. It. Really? Yeah. At the institution? <laughs> I wasn't born in the prison. <laughs> Just, I was going to say, huh? That explains why. Things are coming together. <laughs> <laughs> Just Inglewood. Just At a Inglewood. hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so, okay. So he was featured in Men Men's Health Magazine. Um, in an article that said stupid diets dot 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 that work <laughs> so that was you know one of the first ones um he weighed 425 pounds that was when he weighed the most um through lack of exercise eating junk food for his reports uh he changed his eating habits um he went from 10,000 calories a day to oh i found it one small turkey sub and one large veggie sub along with some baked potato chips and a diet soda, 2,000 calories. That's still a lot of food. <laughs> I mean, it seems like a lot of empty calories, too, all that bread. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, they then kind of launched off of that advertising. So he said the Subway diet combined with a lot of walking, that that worked for him. Um, they said, we not saying this works for everybody, but maybe you should try it. Because it worked for Jared. I bet a lot of people, you know, weight loss is huge. I bet a lot of people are like, all right, right. I'm going to eat my subway every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like looking for something. Yeah. Um, so they said it was like pretty effective. Test ads went really well. Um, he made a ton of appearances in the U.S. and was like in tons of fitness and healthy eating magazines, websites. Um, 2002. Vogel was the subject of the episode South Park, uh, titled Jared Has AIDS. Vogel stated that while the episode had taste tasteless humor, the fact that an entire episode was devoted to him was pretty flattering. So, you know, he's getting a lot of attention. Now I need to watch that episode. I need to. <laughs> yeah. I, um, he said, you know, you've made it when shows like South Park start parodying you. In 2017, there's a video game that was called South Park, the Fractured But Whole um, video game that featured him in it as well. The Fractured Butthole? But, 
hole or butthole. <laughs> what do you say? It's it's written out butthole. Okay, it's, I th- I think it's punny. I think it's punny too. <laughs> okay, so in February two thousand eight, Subway campaign called Torted Pants celebrated Fogel's maintaining his weight loss for a decade. As part of the campaign, he made an announcement that he would retire his pair of 62-inch pants to a museum and end the advertising tour. In 2008, his presence in Subway advertisement decreased because the company placed a new emphasis on the $5 footlong promotion. You've all heard that? Yeah. And Which, people measured way, it, and it wasn't quite a footlong. No, but they don't have, it doesn't have to be because they. it's a branded name. It's not an actual form of measurement. There you go. That's quite a kerfluffle. It is. Um, (laughs) Okay. So he was on WWE in 2009, 2011, uh, 2013. He just kind of kept expanding. He made appearances in Sharknado film, Sharknado 2, uh, which I have never, and Sharknado 3. I've never seen any of the Sharknados. Oh, I've seen all of them. He's in there, I guess. Um, They're fantastically terrible. Oh, apparently it says that this was cut from the Sci-Fi Channel broadcast a week before the premiere um, when his house was searched by the FBI. Um, There was also the Jared Foundation, nonprofit organization focused on raising awareness about childhood obesity through educational programs and tools, parents, schools, community organizations. Um, That's good. Right. In 2015, Russell Taylor, the director, was arrested for charges of child exploitation, possession of child pornography, and voyeurism. Bad, Jared. So, Vogel severed all ties with him immediately. So, this is Russell Taylor. Russell Taylor had those things happen to him. What did he do? Russell Taylor was the director of the foundation. And he had those things found about him. So, Jared cut all ties immediately after. Um, Taylor apparently attempted suicide in 2015 at the jail and was placed on life support. Taylor pled guilty to the charges in 2015, and on December 10, 2015, he was sentenced to 27 years in a federal prison. Okay. Um, they said that uh, the Jared Foundation had not issued any grants nor had given any funds for its stated purpose. The article further noted, on average, the foundation spent $73,000 a year, with the majority of that figure paying the salary of the executive director. Mm. More than one quarter of the funds were unaccounted for in the records. Um, and the Secretary of State of Indiana dissolved the organization in 2012 because it did not pay the required five dollar annual reporting fee mm. <laughs> it's just what kind of foundation not, is this not a good one not one that's a bad can. very bad foundation this is like the epitome of when you think of like ooh, someone's putting up like a, a sketchy nonprofit that has like no real basis and they're just getting money and paying the person at the it top. sounds exactly yeah. like that they even it, do I think anything that they said they were going to do? Like, did they even help any... Anybody? <laughs> any awareness? Any kids suffering? You know, like, what was the foundation supposed to do? What was well, their here, I'll read the mission or whatever? Again. It said, focused on raising awareness about childhood obesity through educational programs and tools provided to parents, schools, and community organizations. Which, Which could happened. be literally anything. <laughs> it could be like a one-page flyer that you photocopy and... You know, wrote off, wrote your put name. on people's windshields. He probably Told just took you. a picture of his pants and sent it around. Um, and just because he forgot to pay the five dollar fee, they got <laughs> shut down. <laughs> right, like that was the thing. How, like, did the foundation was- have a lot of money? Like, where did people donate to it? It was enough to pay the the director seventy three thousand dollars a year. Hmm. I was going to ask, did it say how much Jared made? over the course of Subway? I think, oh, with Subway? I'm not sure. Well, just with Subway and then all the things that came after. I don't know. I'm sure I could find it if I look for that specifically. But yeah, not in my bundle. Um, So the president of the nonprofit charity watchdog group, Charity Watch, um, was quoted saying, if Jared were really interested in helping children through his foundation, he could have gotten more money. 
most celebrities, you know, with charities, they use image enhancements. And I mean, like he could have actually put himself in it more to make more money if he actually even cared about that money going somewhere. Mm-hmm. It was just open and they took what came and that was it. Jared Fogle was estimated to be worth approximately $15 million Whoa. in 2015. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's so now here, let's go to 2007. Fogle came to the attention of the state and federal law enforcement agencies after a Florida journalist and radio host, uh, Rochelle Herman Woolrund, told the police department that he made lewd comments to her about middle school age girls. She had met him at a local middle school for a health event as he was um, there for a speaking tour. She made recordings of his comments and saved text messages between them and then went to the FBI where agents asked her to record her conversations with him. Right. There's a mole. Then, so she goes in and befriends him over a period of four years, recording her conversation. Oh my God, trust no one. Trust no one. She recorded him making several remarks about having sex with underage girls and asking her to install a webcam in her children's room so he could watch them. Ultimately, the FBI could not pursue a case because um the recordings because they needed more substantial like evidence i guess more evidence than a (laughs) voice recording jared that's so creepy so during the investigation um into russell taylor's child so the director's child pornography operations authorities discover that taylor had traded sexually explicit photos and videos of kill of children some as young as six no Jared. taylor was sentenced to 27 years he was later named an un unin unindicted co-conspirator to the fbi's case so what we found in russell taylor's home on on his computer led us to jared is what they said so 2015 fbi and indiana state police raided his home in indiana and his Residents arrested him on distribution and receipt of child pornography charges. Computers, all electronics were removed from his home. The same day, a spokesperson for Subway announced that the company um, and Jared had mutually agreed to suspend their business relationship. Subsequently, Mm -hmm. they moved him from the website. Following Jared's arrest, the FBI also subpoenaed a series of text messages in 2008 between him and a franchisee, Cindy Mills, um, who is having sexual relationships with in those messages he talked about sexually abusing children ranging from the age of nine to 16 no jared he told her to sell herself for sex on craigslist and asked her to arrange for him to have sex <laughs> with her 16 year old cousin Her lawyer said that she had alerted subway's corporate management of the text messages but that they had responded but that they didn't respond and they said that they didn't have to because he wasn't a subway employee, that there was no violation and that they didn't have records of those allegations. Yeah. But they should be a responsible company and make some kind of statement. You would think like, well, we are not down with child molesting. But their next statement was, we have no record of that. (laughs) Just like how the first statement is, well, he's not an employee, so there's no violation. And we don't have record of that. <laughs> like your order of operations is wrong there. <laughs> Get your priorities straight, subway. Right. Um, okay, so 2015, prosecutors announced that they reached a deal with him that he would plead guilty to two counts, one of distribution and a receipt of child pornography, and one of traveling to engage in an illicit sexual conduct with a minor, specifically from Indiana to New York, where he was charged with paying to engage in sexual acts with a 17-year-old girl. Okay. So, prosecutors allege that he was offered adult prostitutes a finder's fee to find him younger sex partners. That were minors? Yeah. Yep. Um, According to documents that were released, he also agreed to pay a total of $1.4 million in restitution, $100,000 to each victim. 
He faced up to five, sorry, up to 50 years in prison. And if he had gone and, and, and had he gone to trial, um, he, they would seek no more than 12 and a half years. So in return, he agreed to a minimum sentence of five years. Soon after the plea deal was announced, Subway announced via <laughs> that it had completely got rid of all ties and that he'd be restricted to supervised contact or communication with minors upon approval of probation officer. Okay. So his own children would be allowed only with their approval of the mother being there. Okay. So then as he formally pled guilty in 2015 to the judge, Tanya Walton, in a statement, he apologized for his crimes, um, saying he wanted a chance to become, quote, a good, honest person and, quote, redeem his life after being ensnared in a life of, quote, deception, lies, and complete self-centeredness. He wasn't snared, but who set the trap? Right. So a forensic psychologist, a forensic psychiatrist who testified for the defense team said he suffered from compulsive eating disorders for several years before losing the weight and replaced food with a sense of hypersexuality, which included mild or weak pedophilia. Okay. Mild or weak pedophilia? I know. <laughs> what? <clears throat> that diagnosis was not expected by experts in the psychiatry field and was criticized by Pratt on social media. So Liberty Behavioral Health Corp psychologist Adam Deming suggested that Bradford had meant to say that he his primary sexual attraction was to early teenagers, but that he had a lesser attraction to younger children. It's like mild, moderate to severe. No. <laughs> mild, moderate to severing. It seems yeah. like it's just all severe. Like, let's just it's call it severe. severe. Yeah. It's all severe. Yeah. Because pedophilia is all prepubescent kids. Like, it's all severe. That's severe. Get out of there, Jared. <laughs> There's no mild. Let's not weak. downplay it. Dirty, nasty NASA, remember? Um, okay, so... Pratt sent his Fogel to 15 years and eight months in prison, over three three years more than what prosecutors had sought out and three times what he had requested. Pratt stated that, quote, the level of perversion and lawlessness exhibited is extreme. Fogel must serve a minimum of 13 years before becoming eligible for time off for good behavior. After serving his sentence, he'll be on supervised release for the rest of his life. Pratt also fined him $175,000 and ordered him to forfeit $50,000 in assets in addition to the $1.4 million in restitution. So when was that? Is he still in prison? Well, that was 2015, um, 13 years. So in 2015 in December, he his lawyer filed a notice of appeal. Um, he is able to appeal the sentence that is longer than the maximum sentence. So there's some little loophole there. The appeal was brief, but Fogel asked for an extension um, because um, after uh, his lawyer was diagnosed with cancer, it was granted. The appeal was filed um, and the office responded. Uh, the attorney's office responded by opposing any sentence reduction. They said um, the text messages to a woman they found that year was quote pay you big for a 14 or 15 year old end quote and that underage girls are quote what i crave end quote in these text messages he also expressed sexual interest in young boys so they upheld his uh previous sentence he didn't get that appeal um good right <laughs> so he is in a federal correction institute. Um, it has a program specific for sex offenders. Uh, he Judge Pratt agreed to the recommendation for that, but she had no authority to determine where he would serve a sentence. So it was he was there on a temporary basis. He ended up being transferred um, to FCI Inglewood. Um, in 2016, he was assaulted by another inmate. The attack left him with a bleeding nose, swollen face, scratches on his neck. He was then transferred again um, to Oklahoma after being transferred from then to Texas. So he's 
been moved around a lot. I'm wondering if it's because he's targeted. Because I'm sure he I is. Mean, you hear that pedophiles anyway or child murderers are often killed in prison, you know. Right. Um, so it has its own justice system. I'm wondering if that but and also is like fame makes him an extra target and that's why he's moved around so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah. I We need to ask your dad if he saw that at the prison he worked at. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure he would say yes. <laughs> Um, so he tried in 2017 to overturn his conviction, saying that they didn't have jurisdiction to convict him. That got overturned as she dismissed another motion, uh, where he filed on behalf or, um, a fellow inmate was saying, or a fellow inmate filed on his behalf saying the court did not have jurisdiction again, trying to say he was a sovereign citizen somehow then overturned that. Um, so in 2021, in November, he spoke out from prison for the first time, writing a letter in the New York Post that he, quote, royally screwed up and that he runs four to five miles per day and works out regularly while behind bars, claiming to weigh 180 pounds. Does he eat in a Subway? Mm, probably not. <laughs> He's probably banned from eating Subway, I'm sure. I'm kind of confused by that statement. Like, is he... Why is he checking in on his health and fitness? Yeah, that's like he's trying to keep his. Yeah, it's like he's still keeping his advertising. Nobody cares what your weight is anymore, Jared. Yeah, that's like really weird. Isn't like, it weird? Why don't like, you speak to the actual important crime topic? Yeah, like not we, your hot prison bod. Health magazine, like we care. <laughs> um. Yeah. That shows me that that he's he's not ready. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, no, and that was what did I say, 2021. Yeah, 2021. So potentially faced charges um related to victims 13, 14. So there was statutory rape charges, trafficking persons for sexual reasons charges. Um there was some issues with getting people to um uh give testimony. So there was potentially other charges that could have been given too that just didn't happen. So that aside, that whole deal aside, I just want to uh, talk really quickly about (laughs) the other startling thing that I found out. So over the last two years, Subway um, has been looking into the sale, possible sale of the company for $10 billion over a second major scandal and lawsuit do you know what i know is it the tuna sandwiches not being it is is the tuna sandwiches so it's an ongoing class action suit where they (laughs) they have dna tested repeatedly shows that subway tuna subs have no tuna in them like what the fuck is it then what is that (laughs) <laughs> like legitimately no tuna is in I want to know what it That's is all I ate I would eat the tuna sandwich <gasps> and I would do pepperoncinis and um avocado That's I was just what... about to say thank god I never had a tuna sandwich from somewhere I ate any I never ate anything else from there that would be the only thing I'd get what were you eating it's human I have no idea. <laughs> it's human it's Jared's That's where all of his extra fat was. oh god oh god oh that's mean um that's okay he deserves a little bit um i used to like their turkey subs back in the day yeah i mean it's only that one i guess uh yeah so sarah do you have a favorite subway actually i'll just get like a veggie just all the veggies and the avocado healthy and the meat Meatball sub is pretty good. <laughs> <clears throat> yep. And then it just, I I just had, uh, again, I can't really show you guys, but I just had a picture of him standing in his old pants. <laughs> I don't want to look at his face, really. No, he says... Uh, or his pants. I don't want to look at his pants. Yeah, it's gross. I'm looking up what was in the tuna. <laughs> yeah, I want to know what Macy was eating. What was... Probably either like some fake food or some like random white fish yeah yeah it's like an imitation like some but how do they make it taste tuna is there like a tuna flavor like a tuna essence i thought tuna was like fairly cheap 
out of a can anyways. I don't know why they had to like one up the cheapness. Because it's a mixture of various concoctions. Oh. <laughs> the word concoction. You're eating a mixture of various concoctions. That doesn't just yep. mm, concoctions. Totally. You mean it doesn't say at all? <laughs> Not no. Um no. <laughs> Was there anything like harmful in there or weird like or sawdust? I did just see that. So Ireland's Supreme Court in 2020 ruled that Subway sandwiches are too sugary to be classed as bread and therefore is not liable for a tax exemption. <laughs> <laughs> that was there. Uh, scrutiny came after years of fighting off its 2014 yoga mat bread scandal, which showed Subway had been using chemicals found in rubber and plastic in its bread. <laughs> It's and they called it the yoga mat controversy <laughs> because their bread is basically made out of the same ingredients Rubber. as yoga mats. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go home and make a wrap out of my yoga mat. <laughs> yeah, various concoctions not constitute tuna yet blended together by Subway. To but what are the various concoctions? Tuna. People want to know. It's like KFC, they don't go, oh, it says. Uh, allegedly, allegedly contains pork, chicken, so it's kind of like a hot dog situation. <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> allegedly, pork, chicken, and possibly no traces of tuna DNA. That's horrifying. Like I ate that when I was a vegetarian. Way. Oh my god! You should sue them. <laughs> you thought you were being pescatarian. You were eating beef, pork, chicken. Ew. I'm pescatarian so now. I used to eat the meatball sandwiches, but see, I would order a tuna. I would have, except for now, I will never order tuna from there. Did they have to fix it though? Like, do they now serve actually full tuna? There's an ongoing, it's an ongoing. Um, there's another like possible You know is the worst bits of chicken and pork too. There's another wow. lawsuit that says this, that they had focused on recruiting mainly. Um, let me see where this is at in the District of California. So mainly trying to recruit Asian immigrants who believe they were about to experience the American dream by owning a franchise. So like targeting um, and that not seems giving... super fucking racist and awful. Right. Right. <laughs> So they've had a big dip in the number of franchises. They have lost a lot of money because a lot of this just continues. So they could uh, turn it around if they got better bread and had good. healthier ingredients and didn't lie to people. Right. Because the brand name is like, it's well known everywhere. Subway. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't eat there anymore just because, you know, I'm a lot more healthier now, but if they got bread or bread, quality ingredients. They could turn it around. I, I would eat there if I was on a road trip and there's nothing else. Do you guys like Jimmy John's? I I, I actually like Jimmy John's. <laughs> I do. I haven't had it. I've eaten tuna from there, so I hope it's really. Tuna. I know, and I doubt everything. I'm a little horrified. I I didn't know the other part of that, and I'm really grossed out because it's All so tuna soft. is chicken and pork. They like must mush it. I can't. I can't even. Mushy hot dog. How did they make it taste like fish, though? It doesn't taste like fish. I've had it. It doesn't taste like fish. It's all coated in mayo. That's oh, it just tastes like mayo. Right, because that's I don't. I would never put because they'd say you want mayo. I'm like no. It's like has mayo. I want avocado. It's like avocado pepperoni for a little like crunch factor. Um, but yeah, it just tasted like mayo anyways. Are you traumatized right now, Macy? I'm a little triggered. (laughs) Um, well, that's it. I hope you okay. I hope you're disturbed. Let's do our disturbometer. Okay, so my topic, the immortal cells. Ten. Of Henry ten the Rocks. Ten? Okay. I'm a ten. That's, I don't. Sarah? Um, I'll go, like, maybe a six on that one. Okay, six for Sarah. I think I'm, I'm halfway into, I'm like an eight, a solid eight. I'm, I'm like, there's superheroes out there, and we're not talking about it. <laughs> um, uh, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like a whole emotional roller coaster for me. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that's super fucking cool and amazing. Disturbing. But you, you like serious case of social injustice. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, subway guy. Um, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give 
Jared a zero just because I don't care about him at all. Obviously, he did horrible things, but he's a zero to me. Um, the tuna sandwich thing right now, I'm literally trying not to gag. So I'm gonna uh, have to I'm gonna do like 9.5. Um 9.5. I try not to think about this the rest of my evening. Okay, Macy, you got me at a 10 on just just the subject of child pornography. That's just my one of my most disturbing topics. Like anything to do with that super disturbs me, like to the top. And the tuna is a 10. So 10 all across the boards on that one. <laughs> I, I think I'm a nine across the board on that one. Uh, I'm I'm just glad I never ate their tuna sandwich because I probably <laughs> would have to go wash my mouth out with bleach right now. <laughs> She's going to be brushing her teeth actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's really fucking gross. Until next time. Wait, if you didn't listen to our last podcast. Macy oh. talked about sleep deprivation. I've talked about the unsolved murder of Ruth Waymire, which is a local case. And yeah. If you would like to watch us on video doing this, that's Ooh. available exclusively to our patrons on Patreon, along with other really cool exclusive content. It's only a dollar. We have faces and places. <laughs> Until next time. Keep your body parts. Never eat tuna from Subway <laughs> ever again. And trust no one again. Trust. <laughs> Bye. Bye.